One of the main things that we end up talking about in premarital classes as Sandra and I meet with couples who are getting married, who are looking to begin a life together, is what you bring with you into the relationship. Each one of us is carrying what we can, lack of a better term, call baggage. Each one of us has a whole bunch of history. Some of it good, some of it not so good. Each one of us is carrying around what my dad said about me. Each one is carrying us around what a fellow student said, what a teacher may have just dropped as a random comment. Each one of us is carrying around an experience of being forgotten, an experience of being cut from the team, an experience from a difficult time. Each one of us has a lot of history. And maybe part of the challenge then, especially as we talk in a beginning a new relationship and, and beginning a marriage, a part of understanding my history and what I bring into the relationship is a challenge that we both have to do. And maybe even outside of that marriage relationship, as we talk about a relationship with God, as we talk about a relationship with each other, maybe part of the challenge is to at least be aware of what you bring to the table, of what it is that you're carrying. And maybe, just maybe, what we have to ask today, as we look at Jesus' conversation with Peter, is do I need to keep carrying that? Is that something that the evil one, that the devil has spoken into my life, that doesn't warrant a place in my baggage? Is that statement or that memory something that I have to let go in order to follow? Or is that experience or that memory or that statement something that God is only reminding me of to remind me of his power? If you have the YouVersion Bible app, then you see the verse of the day over and over again every day. Today, there is no coincidence, right? Today is the day that the verse of the day is, I asked God three times to get rid of a thorn. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians about his own experience of carrying his baggage, his own experience of the difficulty that he has gone through. And in his prayer, he pleads with God, please get rid of this thorn, get rid of this baggage. And God says, no, actually, that one I want you to hold on to. Because what it does is it reminds you of how powerful God is. It's not your strength, it's his and so what I want to offer to you today is that the goal is to follow Jesus. What I want to offer to you today is the goal of doing what he did, of going where he went, of carrying on his work. What I want to offer you today is the chance to take inventory. Is the baggage that I'm holding on to hindering the following of Jesus, or is it a piece that he wants to use as I follow him? We get there 
by removing a mental block that keeps so many of us from truly following him. We get there by removing this mental block that says, I'm not worthy. That thing that I did messed me up too badly. That wrong that I've done is too much for me to be able to follow Jesus. In Peter's case, he says, I've messed up too badly. Those times that I've denied Christ, those three denials before the rooster crowed, that eliminates me. That eliminates me from carrying on God's work. That eliminates me from carrying on what Christ has began. What Christ speaks into Peter's life is no. No, Peter, that doesn't eliminate you. That mess up, that messy spirituality actually makes you a tool to carry on what I have done. And maybe this is what we need to hear from that conversation as well. And so we look at John 21, especially verses uh, 15 to 19. And as we read through this conversation, as we read through this time that Peter speaks with Jesus, we're going to push pause on just a few of the words and listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. And so it begins, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I want to spend a little bit of time talking about these, especially because commentators are varied on where Jesus is allowing his eyes to glance or where Jesus is pointing to uh, what the direct object of the sentence is. Do you love me more than these? Some people think that Jesus is going like this towards the sea, towards the boats, towards everything that Peter was doing in his previous life. And be reminded, this is where Peter ran back to after a difficult time. Just a quick little question. What do you run to from your old life when times get hard? What do you run to? This is what Peter has done. The bottom has dropped out. Everything has gone bad. And so Peter runs back to fishing. It's what he knew. It's what he took comfort in. It's what he took solace in. And so maybe, just maybe, Jesus is doing this to the boats, to the sea. Do you love me more than these? I think the really cool thing is it's so ambiguous that I can't tell you exactly this is what Jesus meant. But I can say allow the Holy Spirit to point some of these options out to maybe take inventory with you to say maybe it is a time to wonder do I love him more than my previous life? Do I love him more than my work? Do I love him more than the hobby? Do I love him more than whatever it is that has become that small g God in your life? Maybe this is part of the challenge for you. It could be fishing. It could be that he's pointing to all those boats. Some have thought maybe he's pointing at the other disciples. And he is asking Peter, do you love me 
more than John? Do you love me more than James loves me? Do you love me more than all of these others? Do you love me more than these? I have some hesitancy about that one because it seems to be a comparison-driven language then. And I don't believe that's where Christ would go. In fact, later on in our passage, you're going to see uh, uh, Peter will say, well, what about him? What about the one that's right next to you? Talking about John, the disciple who wrote these things down. Talking about the one who leaned against him at the Last Supper. And Jesus rebukes him for asking about this other disciple saying, hey, that's not your problem. Don't worry about him. You worry about you. And I wonder if that is a Holy Spirit challenge for us in that comparison language. Are you comparing yourself to the person next to you? Are you comparing yourself to the person across the room? Please stop. This is not a comparison type of love. This is not Jesus asking, are you sure that you love me more than John loves me? That's not his M.O. That's not the way this operates. But maybe... He was pointing at the other disciples. But maybe our first inclination of why he's pointing at them is a little different. Because as he says, do you love me more than these? As he's pointing at John and he's pointing at James, I just wonder if he's asking Peter, Peter, do you love me more than you love John? Do you love me more than you love the other disciple? Maybe there's a little bit of the family systems framework going on in this conversation. Maybe Peter was so in love with being a part of something, with finally being accepted, with finally being even a leader. Maybe Peter is so in love with part of his role in the family that Jesus has to ask him, hey, do you love being a part of that family or do you love me? Maybe that's a language for you to wrestle with. Do you love the place that Christ has put you or do you love Christ? Whatever it is that is being spoken to you, we continue on knowing that it's not just about the word these there's a lesson that Christ continues. Because as Peter responds, you know. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. It doesn't end there. The next verse or the rest of what we had stopped with, yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And so Jesus says, feed my lambs. Right away, I want you to pay attention in the Feed My Lambs language that there is a concern for others. But it seems to be more than a physical concern. It's not that Jesus is just specifically telling Peter, make sure that you're always carrying around a granola bar in your pocket because someone might be hungry. I don't believe that it's just that tangible. Yes, there's a component of that. We see someone hungry, we feed them. We see someone naked, we clothe them. But maybe even more than that, he's speaking about a metaphorical feeding. 
Remember, he calls himself the bread of life throughout the gospel of John. And so as he is calling Peter to feed the lambs, I believe part of what he is asking Peter to do is to keep feeding the people who need to hear that Jesus is the bread of life. And in that calling, he's not specifically only saying Peter is the only one to feed. He is telling each and every one of us to keep giving out that bread of life, to keep giving Jesus, to keep offering Jesus to those who are hungry. Because you know as well as I do, this world is very hungry. Metaphorically, this world is searching for something. And we have the bread of life to give. Feed the lambs. A second time, in verse 16, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus says, take care of my sheep. I wonder this about another time, another round of Peter being questioned As he says, do you love me? Peter's response is, you, you, Jesus, you know that I love you. I wonder this, if Jesus is saying, yeah, I know. Do they? Do they know that you love me? Do your coworkers know that you love Jesus? Do your friends know that you love Jesus? Do your fellow church members know that you love Jesus? Does someone who randomly crosses your path, does someone who stands behind you in the line at the grocery store, does someone who sees you have a little bit of road rage, do they know that Jesus loves you and that you love Jesus? Are you characterized By the love. Earlier on, as John was writing through this gospel, he quoted Jesus by saying this, By this they will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. This is the marking characteristic. This is how people will know by your love. And he goes so far as to say, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. And my commandment is this, love one another, love one another. He repeats it over and over and over again, love one another. Is this the characteristic that people will speak of you? So then the question continues on, after take care, or excuse me, after The second command, verse 17, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter was hurt. A couple other translations will say Peter was grieved. Peter was grieved because Christ was pushing this deeply on him. Christ was asking this many times, do you really love me? It's hard to be pushed. It's hard to have the thorn. It's hard to carry around baggage. It's hard for Christ to ask us about that baggage, for Christ to push where it hurts 
for Christ to scratch at a scar and to ask, is this about you or is this about me? Is this thorn staying where it stays in order for you to communicate how strong I am in it? Is it possible that God isn't bringing up your past just for you to hurt, but instead God is growing God is developing you. God is using an experience to shape you. God is taking what the evil one meant for harm and doing something good with it. After being grieved, Peter answers, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus reminds him, repeats the command. Remember we talked about how important repetition is. This is said again, and so it becomes important. Feed my sheep. Please give out the bread of life. Please don't let this world be hungry. Please feed my sheep. And he summarizes it in verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Be careful about how we want to make the being led where you do not want to go being dressed and all of those things. Be careful about the grand assumptions we make of that because it seems pretty clear this was to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And so without making grand assumptions, we take what we can for principles out of this conversation. We take what applies to Peter and what applies to all of the disciples. And this final command applies He said to him, follow me. The goal, remember, is to seek to follow Jesus by loving God and loving others. The goal is to do what he would do. To carry on the work of Christ. To allow our baggage to be used for his purposes. To allow our experiences to speak to the incredible work that Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and will do. Follow him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Allow us to follow Christ, allow us to carry on your work through the power of the Holy Spirit to not be bogged down by our past experiences, but instead to see them as opportunities for you to show your strength, as opportunities for you to show your glory. God, whatever we do, whether we eat, whether we drink, 
whether we work, whether we rest, whatever we do, may we do it all in your precious and holy name. In the name of Jesus we pray.